Welcome to the Can't Stop Endurance podcast. At Can't Stop Endurance, we work with runners from beginner to advanced. From rookies to marathon champions, we provide personalized coaching to help endurance athletes reach their personal goals. Whether it's a 5K or a 100-mile ultra, Can't Stop head coach Kevin Leathers has been there as a coach and an athlete for nearly 40 years. He also serves as the national coach for the St. Jude Heroes program. And now, here's Coach Kevin. Here we go again, Coach Holly. I'm back. All right, on today's episode, we are going to do our version of Coach Q&A. We take questions from our listeners, and we're going to try to dig into some of those topics and come up with some guidelines, some answers, and some education for everybody out there. I'm uh, going to be joined on Coach Q&A by my co-host, Coach Holly. Thank you for having me again. Great. Uh, I love this part. I love the teaching and the talking and the, the, the running knowledge and trying to dig through some of these issues, so... This will be fun. All right. So let's just jump in with the first question. This question comes from Matt. What type of cross training is right for runners and what type is wrong for runners? Also, when doing cross training under another coach, what are the things you should look for to warn you to get out quick? Oh, I like this one. (laughs) To get out quick. Well, cross training is one of my favorite topics as a running coach because I really want all my runners to do something else in addition to their running. Yeah. Uh, so anything that builds strength, especially if it strengthens the opposing muscles to running muscles, anything that keeps you loose, loosens your muscles and your connective tissue between your runs, anything that burns calories is cross training. So it kind of runs the gamut, low impact. Um, treadmill running is not cross training for <laughs> that's running. That's I, get still that, running. I get that question. That's still running. Do you really? Oh, yeah. Okay. I get all the questions, Holly. I'll you know that. <laughs> So I think some of the some of the most common and my favorite things are cycling, mm-hmm. swimming, yoga, certain fitness classes where you're getting overall body strength, uh, some high intensity, not a lot because that might compromise your running. W- what about you? What 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 are your cross training preferences? Uh, when I have time, and I think that's probably a problem for a lot of people who are runners. The time to do all the cross training is something that I struggle with, and so when I do have time, I like to cycle. And cycling for me is not, I don't get on a bike and I don't go outside, but I, this summer took up going to cycle bar and I would go there twice a week and I loved it. And it was high intensity, dripping with sweat. And I felt like it really helped the strength of my legs and just help on the, help the, help the turnover of my legs. Um, and then that's hard because that's not only hard time wise, but logistic wise, which I feel like are all the excuses that people give. Um, but the other thing that I do pretty consistently is I do strength work. Just at home, you can do push-ups. I do core, planks, stuff like that, that help strengthen me as a as a runner. So those are two of my favorites. One, super easy to do logistically, time-wise. The other is a little bit trickier. Yeah, and I think you've you've hit on all the issues there. You find the things that work for you, the things you like, the things you need. Yeah, you need to you need to fortify those hips and those supporting muscles and the cycling builds your quads and mm. the muscles that are counter to your running muscles which is going to help support your run you're also getting free aerobic base building in those yeah. classes and in a high intensity thing like cycle bar or a spin class you're getting some anaerobic work mm-hmm. some speed work some high heart rate work that's not pounding on the road yes. so it's all it's all kind of free training that you're getting as long as you don't get hurt and you do it right yeah um and one big thing, it, whatever you choose, and I really, I, I'm, I have some 
preferences for my runners, but I want them to find something that they like. Yeah. If the, if they hate a spin class, well, don't do spin class. Yeah. Go find something else you like. But whatever it is, it needs to complement your running, not compete with your running. Yeah. Right. People who do certain high intensity hit workouts mm-hmm. compromise their recovery from their runs and show up to their runs still sore yes. and stiff from their cross training which is mm-hmm. supposed to be complementing the run instead it's compromising yeah, your run they can't do their long run on saturday because they did all the things on friday yes right and, and you have to be very careful where you introduce cross training into your training cycle yeah i had a runner several years ago training for a marathon it was the goal marathon and three weeks before the race <sighs> she was in tip-top shape ready to go decided she wanted her friends here comes the FOMO, yeah. fear of missing out. Talked her into going to try this new boot camp class oh, at their Lord. gym. And what happened? <laughs> she hurt her back. She, she hurt, hurt her hamstring. She was sore for three weeks and couldn't walk or do or finish the like finish the training cycle. Right. Couldn't all the things. The finish was compromised because she was injured and her race was a bust. So, yeah. uh, so a boot camp class is not a bad thing, but it needs to be introduced early, early yeah. in the training cycle or in the off season. Oh, yes. Yeah. You know, this time of year, we're kind of in the fall marathon season, goal races. So wait until your goal race is done and then spend the winter working on your weaknesses. If you've got weak or tight hips and all runners have weak and tight hips, Mm -hmm. winter is the time to get in the gym and learn some weightlifting ideas and techniques that will fortify your hips and find that cross training and that yoga that will loosen up your hips. Or if you suffer from calf issues you spend the winter building up your calves keeping them loose foam rolling them doing calf raises all those things to build stronger calves so that you're not having the same issues over and over and over again you solve the base issue not fix it with paper clips and duct tape and a knee brace and all those things we want to try to solve it what do you do i have been a cyclist almost as long as i've been a runner okay uh did triathlons for a long you know for 25 years i really like cycling because of it loosens me up between my runs. It mm-hmm. builds up the quads and parts of the calves that you don't use in running. And I think that helps strengthen the connective tissue and supporting muscles around your knee. Mm-hmm. Runners who are cyclists typically don't have a lot of the traditional running knee issues because of the quad muscles. Okay. And you I get just, outside, though. You get outside. And, I ride outside. And do as, your, long run, your long rides. Long rides as much as I can. The same riding partners I've had, some of them for 20 years. Oh. Okay. Uh, and we like to ride outside for hours and it's just, I just like getting out on the bike. So it's kind of been my thing and it's helped the triathlon training and the run training and all that. I also go to the gym, do strength training mm-hmm. as I've gotten older, everything you read, I know, right? <laughs> everything you read is, uh, lift weights as you get older yeah. to, to build muscles and try to stem the loss of, yeah of muscle as much as you can that's what i've found as i have entered into my 40s right (laughs) that where cross training wasn't something that i thought about too much in my 20s and early 30s but as i've gotten older and more injuries from wear and tear cross training has definitely helped you know another place where cross training really helps is if you're injured or sick or for whatever reason you've had to take time off you can retain a lot of your base aerobic fitness Mm -hmm. By finding alternatives until you you can get your run volume back up to where you want it. So I had a runner this summer who had shoulder surgery. Mm-hmm. He spent every day on the elliptical yeah. and retained a lot of his base. And when he came 
when he got the all clear to really start training again, we didn't have to spend 10 weeks base building. He had retained his base. We could jump right back into training. Had another athlete, had a bike crash, broke her elbow. Same thing. Stayed in the elliptical, stayed in the pool, all those things, and makes the return that much easier. Yeah. Uh, another great example is rowing. We've got a lot of runners yes. rowing now. Mm-hmm. If you're going to row or get on the erg, go find a coach to teach you proper technique because it matters. It makes yeah. a big difference. But I've got a runner who is st- starting over after some health issues and spent oh, eight or ten weeks on the rowing machine building this huge aerobic base that's going to pay dividends for the next year yeah. without any of the pounding. And she didn't have to sit and wait to get the all clear and then try to rush her running volume back up and get hurt. So it's just a just so many ways to use cross training. If you're if you're a runner who's just running, other than those rare outliers, it's going to come back and, yeah. and bite you. You need yeah. to get out there and, and find something else to do as yeah. an alternative. Okay. So speaking of, you talked about finding a coach who had could teach you good technique when it came to rowing. The second part of the question was. If you're doing it under another coach, what are the things you should look for to warn you to get out quick? Oh, man, that's, yeah. Wow, where do we start? So a coach, a personal trainer, that guy at the gym, Yeah. first thing, they have to know what they're talking about. They have to be able to teach you proper technique, whether it's learning to do deadlifts or squats or row or cycle class, swimming, yoga. You want somebody who knows what they're doing and who is going to be protective of you yes. until you learn proper technique. Yeah. Otherwise, what happens? You get hurt. Every time you get hurt. Yeah. Um, some of these uh, trendy fitness boutiques, there's many brands out there. We won't name them because it doesn't matter. People go in there and it's a competition yeah. and the coaches are cheerleaders mm-hmm. as opposed to coaches yeah. and people get hurt because yeah. it's a competition. So. A, a coach or a trainer who doesn't take your running into account when planning your workouts mm-hmm. should be avoided. Yeah. I, I, I'm scared of those classes, to be honest with you, because I'm afraid I'm going to get hurt. Because it, it is. It's cheerleading. It's all about competition, how much you can do, how fast you can do, and that scares me. Yeah. I, I think if you start becoming focused, if you're a runner who has running goals, mm-hmm. whatever those goals are, to run your first 5K or to PR your marathon or to run an ultra – if you get focused on winning your cross-training workouts, yes. you're going to get hurt yeah. and you're going to compromise your running. So yeah. are you going to that class to be the champion of that class, XYZ yeah. class, or are you going to that class to become a stronger, better athlete and better runner down the road? Yeah. You can pick whichever one you want, but it's really hard to do both. Yeah. Um, really don't, your, your cross-training is supposed to complement your running, not detract from it or yeah. get you hurt. So... It's pretty easy to, to spot those coaches, instructors, gym guys who don't know what they're doing. And they're all about, let's max out and go as hard as we can today. And you're not going to be able to walk for three days after my workout. Yeah. Boy, that's a big red flag. And we, and we see that a lot. Yeah. Oh, I don't want to do a workout that won't let me walk for three days. I've got stuff to do. Right? Too much to do. I've got some run-ins to do. Well, you're a, you're a high school varsity cross-country coach. Mm-hmm. What do you have athletes that age doing as cross-training? Most of it's strength. A lot of it. Because just time-wise and logistic-wise, we just practice after school. And right now, my school doesn't have a, a lot of 
athletic facilities, I guess you could say, we're, we're getting there. Um, and so I bring out a lot of bands, bring out a lot of kettlebells. We do box jumps and things like that. And we usually do it early on in the season. We don't do it later in the season. So more in the summer, um, first couple weeks of the school year, we do mainly strength and we do core and plank almost the, I mean, um, push-ups and core almost the whole season. So that's a lot of, of what we do. And that's a, that's a great point. And we, we say this to our runners a lot that you don't have to have a gym membership. Yeah. You don't have to go pay for an exercise class. Mm-hmm. If, if nothing else, you can do push-ups and planks and air squats All day every day and lunges wherever you want to. If, when I try, I travel a lot, I'm in a lot of hotels. If there's not a nice gym in the hotel, I can do some yoga mm-hmm. and planks and air squats and my lunge matrix and push-ups yeah and get all the workout I want to get. So mm-hmm. no money, no time. That's really not an excuse because yep. you can find 10 to 15 minutes a day to do this stuff. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, let's, now that we've covered cross training, let's talk about speed work. So another question that we have is when can I start speed work? I feel like this is a common question that we often get. People want to jump in right with it. So what do you think? Well, it's, it's cool and it's sexy and it's, it's fun. <laughs> it's fun to go fast. Right. Well, that's a, that's a, uh, most of these questions that have to do with running, the first answer is it depends. Yeah. All right. So it depends on the runner, your experience. Have you ever done speed work before? I think a lot of people equate speed work with going to the track yes. and running timed laps, whether that's 400s, yeah. 800s, those kind of things. But speed work comes in a lot of different forms. Mm-hmm. Our runners do a lot of hill repeats mm-hmm. of different lengths. I like hills builds a very specific mental and physical strength and doesn't lead to as much injury as a track does absolutely i think a lot of people don't have access to a track Mm -hmm. or it doesn't fit into their schedule it's easier for them to do their speed work at home or leave their office so we do things on the road instead of going to the track and doing 400 meter repeats go out and warm up and do two minutes on two minutes off at a designated pace so a lot of different ways to do speed work there's tempo runs there's Mm -hmm. It goes on and on and on. Negative split. Um, I really like speed work. I like a lot of variety in my speed work for my athletes Mm -hmm. because it's it's the next step to reaching your goals. But starting speed work is is high risk, Mm -hmm. right? Very high risk. So let's talk about beginners. Somebody who training for their first five k or ten, even all the way up to the marathon. If this is your first year of running and you're trying to build up to your first race you really probably shouldn't even be thinking about speed work for a year yeah now people are like what a year (laughs) no you need a solid year of aerobic base building where you can build up to a consistent 20 to 30 miles a week Mm -hmm. week after week after week after week at your easy weekday pace that builds the aerobic strength and the connective tissue and muscular strength to go start doing higher intensity stuff. So beginners, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to want a year of consistent aerobic easy running yeah. to get you up to that, let's say, 25 miles per week consistently mm-hmm. for a few months before we start speed work. And then we go to experienced runners. Oh, let's back up. That beginner, so okay, coach, now I've got a year. What next? Okay, now we're going to take three months to ease you into some speed work. Yeah. And it's going to be light because yeah. we have to get you used to the range of motion, the velocity, the intensity. So it'll start with a fast finish run. 
today you're supposed to run four miles. I want you to run the last two faster than the first two. No real pace target. Just get your heart rate up a little bit. Then we'll eventually go to hill repeats six times or eight times up a 60 second or a 90 second hill. Just bring you along. And then maybe six months after that, you're doing tempo runs and intervals, whether it's on the track or on the road or whatever that is. Takes a lot of patience. Oh my God. To do it right, it takes a lot of patience. Because I think too, one of the things that I run into in some of the adults that I've helped out is a lot of these people are former athletes. They were athletes in high school. Um, And maybe they've taken time off to have kids or jobs, just life, life stuff. And now they're 30 and they want to do a 5K or they want to do a half marathon. And they just remember being a kid and being fast and whatever they had to do for their sport in high school. So they just want to jump back into it. But (laughs) they've had a decade of life and they need to be patient. It's a long, long, long build to to getting back to that point. Yeah, absolutely. The the, the mind remembers, but the body's protesting. The ankles, the knees, everything starts to hurt. And and we watch watch the Olympics. We watch the World Championships on the track, and it looks really cool. And most adults haven't run on a track since high school. If they did it all. Or PE class in seventh, whatever that was. So you get on the track and you take off because it feels good and the track is soft and you, you're visualizing yourself in the Olympics yeah. and you don't make it around a lap. No. Or you do and then you're injured and you can't run for a month. Right. I did that. When I started to run in my early 20s, I literally thought, oh, I played college soccer. I'm an athlete and I would start to run and then I would jump on and do some 400s and straight up. Yep. Got injured very quickly. Super common. Every It happens to almost everybody. And as a coach, that's one of our challenges is... Be patient. Be patient. I promise yeah. you this process will work. If you'll if you'll just follow the plan, I, I know where this is yeah. going. If you don't follow the plan, yeah. I know where that's going to. Yeah. There's a science to it all. You just got to trust. You got yeah, to trust. Trust. trust the plan. So now we go to our experienced runners, those people out there who have been racing for years. And you and I, we've been, you know, we've... We race every summer for the past however many summers. Mm-hmm. It's time to start getting in race shape yep. after the winter. Experienced runners, you need a good – if you don't take the winter off, you keep running all winter. We get a lot of people who take the winter off. Don't do that. You need a good 8 to 10 weeks to get your base back up to that 25 to 30 miles a week before you start your speed work for 5K season. Mm-hmm. If you're a runner who runs all winter and you keep your base miles up, that's the best way to yeah. do it. Then you're you can start speed work again very easily, but you can you can be a little more aggressive. So take a six week approach to start with some hill repeats and then some fast finish runs, and then in f- six weeks you're up to your normal speed work build and and that kind of stuff. So what do you do if you're an experienced runner? And you have done speed work in the past, but you're coming off an injury. How would you approach that? Oh, wow. Super cautious. Super patient. We're going we're gonna to take such a conservative approach to your speed work progressions. And those progressions are week to week how we build on it. What we're doing this month to get you ready for what I want to do next month. Okay. I, we see it all the time. Runners who are habitually injured because they... They oh, start yeah. to feel better, and they jump right back in their training plan. They go meet their friends at the track yes. or the fast run. There's a lot of FOMO with this. Oh, work. there's so much fear of missing out. And people, when they're in their 40s or in their 50s, they remember what the speed work was like a year or eight years ago, and they mm-hmm. jump back into it when they should, instead of taking a four-week bill, they should have taken 12 weeks to ease yeah. into it. Otherwise, they keep getting injured. So if you're coming off an injury, you need to feel good for 
not two or three days, but two or three weeks before Mm -hmm. you try to get back into your old intensity. Yeah. So speed work, what, what are some of your favorite speed workouts, Holly? Oh man. I, to be honest with you, I really like the fast finishes. I'm a big fan of those. Just me personally. Those don't intimidate me as much. Speed work isn't, I think often we, we want to do it because we all want to be fast, but I'll often find speed work intimidating. I really like the fast finish. I like going out for four to six miles and I love to just, you know, you're just out going easy the first two or three miles and then you turn around and you just drop the hammer coming back. I love that idea, just the competition, um, just with yourself and to, and seeing what you can do on that second half. I don't know. You know, I did some 800s the other day and I was really scared of them. But after I did, I think speed work too is one of those things where it maybe intimidates you because it looks really hard on paper. But once you do it, you're like, yes, I did it. It's empowering. Yeah, it really is. I did a tempo run two days ago and it was great. Much better than I expected. Was I nervous about it? Yeah. But in the end, it ends up being okay. Right. You look at that on paper. As long as you have a good coach who has gotten you there and they know what you can do and what you're capable of. Yeah, I think that... You want to see things on your training schedule that are a little intimidating, oh, yeah. but you have to trust that you, you, can do it. you know yourself enough or your coach knows you that this is in your wheel. You're capable of this. And then you go out and do it. Not only does that empower you and build your confidence, it builds your coach's confidence that, okay, this runner's got the mental and she's, she's exactly where I thought she was and we can go do the next phase. So yeah. it works really well. A great confidence builder, right? Yeah. So what about you? Oh, gosh. Um <laughs> I guess it depends upon the racing season. Yeah. I, I really like – I the, the workout I dread the most but like the most are hill repeats. Yeah. They're just so – they're brutal. The hill doesn't care. We'd say that all the time. The hill has no emotion. It's just there being a hill. It's even more brutal when your coach makes you do a tempo run in between some right. Oh, yeah. We've, we layer in all <laughs> kinds of funky uh, tempo run, hill repeat combos because they build a very tough – version of physical and mental fortitude you show up to that hill and you look up and you're like oh i gotta do this eight or ten or twelve times and the only thing you can do is start yes one foot in front of the other and get up and down so i really like hill repeats for what they build physically and mentally Mm -hmm. i think for confidence for racing season i really like tempo runs yeah if i'm building for 5k season it's that two-mile tempo run, three-mile tempo run. If it's half marathon or marathon season, dialing in the right tempo pace. Again, you either use a coach or think like a coach and know your fitness, your current fitness, and find your right tempo pace. And you go out and you do that for that uh, four- or six-mile tempo run. That's a good confidence builder that you can hold that pace. And you can – a tempo run should put you into just enough difficulty to make you have to really concentrate Mm -hmm. and work on your game face, but not so much that it's going to injure you or overwork you. So – yeah, tempo runs are really valuable. Okay. And it's also nice on those days to have a good training partner with you, too. Oh, Again, yeah. And encourage you and help push you as you as you get through those hard hard hills and the yeah. Memphis heat in the summer. I think accountability is huge. Yeah. Whether that's a coach, a training partner, somebody who you have to report to. Because yeah. it's so easy mm-hmm. when you're on your own. Let's say you've got a, a set of 10 hill repeats on your program. Yeah. Either you have you a, download it off the internet. Right. You have a training partner there who's going to you're not going to let each other down or you're going to not, you're not going to let each other off the hook because if left to your own devices, sometimes on those hot summer days, you get to number seven, you're like, eh, seven's good enough. I'm going home. home. 
right? If there's nobody to report into. So yeah. that's where a training partner or coach, coach or a friend can come into. And, yeah. and you tell them what you're doing beforehand. Hey, I'm going to do this workout. It's 10 hill repeats or it's a four mile tempo run. Mm-hmm. Just there you check go. Check in with me. Check in with me and ask, make sure I did it. How was it? Absolutely. Did I survive it? Yep. All right. So that's now, so that's talking about a hard day. So here's another question that we have is what's really going on with rest days? Yeah. Wow. That's, so we go from the, the, uh, all in super intense speed work to the rest days, both just as important, crucial part of a training program, speed work, but also what you're doing between your hard runs. So let's clarify, um, there's a difference between a rest day and a recovery day. Yes. So a rest day, they're crucial, but this is the day where you, you just don't do anything, right? You let your body absorb all the work. You let everything calm down. You let your, you let your mind take a break yep. for a day or a little bit. On those days, I don't like to have a watch that tells me my steps. And I literally, every morning on those days, I'm like, I want to try not to step a lot today. <laughs> <laughs> I look at my watch. I'm like, okay, I've kept my steps. That's low discipline. Today. That's patience, right? It's usually but- on a Friday, which is today that we are recording this because I have my long run on Saturday, so I try not to step a lot on Fridays. Uh, well, <laughs> how long did it take you to learn how important that rest day was? A, a, a while, yeah. just because I'm an act. I feel like people who are runners are often active people, and we have a lot of stuff going on, and so yeah. and life, families, kids, it all gets in the way and makes you. Endurance athletes are typically not slackers. No, yeah. So telling you to today don't do anything, mm-hmm. that's a hard one. Yeah. Um, so yeah, for people who are competitive, rest days are super hard. But to me, right, yes, they're hard, but I can do it. It's when my coach tells me, okay, today's an easy day. I just want you to run four easy miles. And this is your pace. And it might be something that is two minutes slower than what I normally do. That's one thing. That's one of the things that I struggle with, and I feel like the athletes that I coach, they struggle with. Oh, yeah. It, Finding it, that easy pace. But once they embrace oh, yeah. the easy days, mm-hmm. that's typically where big progress comes from because we're able to get more adaptations out of the hard days because yep. we're not showing up. We're showing up to the hard days ready to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so rest days and easy days are different. Yep. Um, an easy day is meant to keep the body loose. It's a shakeout run. It's an active recovery like cross training. Your easy day might be an easy four or it might be go do 45 minutes of indoor cycling or yoga or swim or whatever that is. I'm trying to help you recover from the previous runs you've just done and loosen up, shake out your body to get prepared for the next hard workout coming on the schedule. So they're crucial. Uh, The rest days, I, I, I don't know if you schedule your athletes rest days a certain day of the week i typically schedule them on fridays we never skip monday never skip monday we schedule them on friday so that you get rewarded we'll call it a reward for a solid week of work Mm -hmm. and to get you rested for what's coming up on the weekend which is typically a long run or a race but it also gives you an out a guilt-free off day if if your schedule blows up on Wednesday, for whatever reason, work, family, weather, okay, no big deal. I'm going to take my rest day on Wednesday without stressing about it because I'll, get the, I'll make up this workout on Friday. Yeah. And when I say make it up, we have to be very careful what we do with about that. what but we're making up. We slide our week out, yeah. right? We don't want to make up speed work on Friday for no, a long run. No, absolutely not. So you, your rest days are to let your body, it's almost like sleep 
Mm-hmm. Just let your body recover and rebuild and get ready to go. And an easy day, an active recovery day is recovering and preparing at the same time and yeah. keeping your body loose and both very valuable and crucial to progress. Somebody who doesn't take any rest days and takes no easy days, they're going to plateau quickly and either regress or get injured or get burned out. For me, I guess it depends like for my cross country team Fridays or we always take a Friday off. Um, And then we usually take Sunday off. We do a long run on, on Saturday and then we usually take um, Sunday off just because the school schedule is easy just to practice after school instead of bringing them back up on, on the weekends. But for adults that I have, have worked with, I try to schedule two of the easy days or rest days in the week. One of the things that I've learned as I've gotten older is I used to take the day after a long run off on Sundays, but I started to actually throw in, it's a very small 20, 30 minute, just super easy run just to, again, that active recovery that gets me ready for Monday because we don't take Mondays off and ready for the week. When I would take Sundays off, I would just walk around sore all day long and thought it was great. But I've learned that active recovery is much better for my body than just sitting around on Sundays. I'm the same way. I feel so much better on Mondays after I've had an active day Sunday Mm -hmm. as opposed to doing nothing. And it hurts. I mean, I'll run 10 miles on Saturday and I get out and try to run 20, 30 minutes on Sunday and it's uncomfortable because I am sore from that workout on Sunday. And I think, how am I going to do this on Monday? But then I wake up Monday and I'm fresh. Yeah. It really, you just, you have to, you have to buy into it. You have to believe it. All right. So Kevin, why do we never take Mondays off? We never take Mondays off because it's, it's the easy way out. Oh, it's Monday. It's the weekend. Monday gets a bad rap. We always want to work out or do something on Monday because it sets up our week for success. If you take off Monday and then your Wednesday blows up because of whatever. Yeah. Well, now you're, now you're three days into the week and, and you're panicking and you've had two days off. Yeah. I think it just sets the whole tone for the week and yeah, for the athlete and for the mind. And let's get up Monday. Let's do something, get it over with. And we're already ahead of the game for yeah. the week. Especially the people who, you know, I keep a training log. I like to, let's go ahead and get a number down and it sets the tone for the week. And then we're, we're good to go. Absolutely. Okay. All right, so let's look at the next question. What is the right amount of warm-up before a race? Again, it depends. I think warm-up is crucial depending upon the length of the race and the weather and those type of things. I go, I do see a lot of runners at 5Ks doing nothing. They stand around. Yeah, they get out of the car. Get out of the car, stand around, and start the race. Yeah. And you hear, well, I don't like to warm up because I, I want to warm up in the first mile of the race. <laughs> You're racing. You're racing the first mile. For a 5K, I think you need a good 10 to 15 minute warm up. Jogging around nice and easy. Maybe if you're competitive and you're trying to get peak performance that day, maybe you do a few pickups at the end, some strides the Mm -hmm. last few minutes of that. I like to do, let's say, a mile to two miles warm up jog, Mm -hmm. come back, go through my lunge matrix and stretch and then do another couple of minutes to open up the range of motion and i want to finish that warm-up within three or four minutes of the race starting not 15 minutes and go stand in the corral and lose all the warm-up so i'd say that's a 5k a 10k is pretty similar yeah half marathons probably a little less than that Uh, yeah maybe a mile Mm warm-up stretch do a few strides and get in the corral yeah then we try get, to stay loose in the corral too. Abs- don't yeah, don't just stand yeah, there. Don't just stand there. And then marathon is different, right? Because you got twenty six miles. 
And you've gotten up at five thirty in the morning to you've been, uh, you've been, get to the race. You've been moving around. Yeah. You didn't just drive to the five k and jump out and go. So yeah. you're up. You've been walking. You're moving around. You might jog around for five minutes to get warm enough to go through your yeah. active stretching mm-hmm. stuff. But that's about it. Yeah, it, it actually helps in the marathon because you don't shoot out of the <laughs> you shoot out run, of the gate. Yeah. Right? You got to run twenty six miles after that. But the weather also matters. So yeah. let's it. If you are a runner in a warm climate and you go out for a summer 5K, mm-hmm. you probably don't want to warm up for 20 no, or 30 minutes. You do not. Because what we're trying, you're, you're trying to warm up your muscles and your body enough to get a little bit of sweat going and get your muscles warmed up. You're probably sweating standing there. Right. It, to warm up that much in a summer 5K, you're elevating your core temperature too high. So you start the race already a little bit overheated and then yeah. it's just downhill from there heat wise. So for a, a hot summer short race, maybe five to 10 minute warm up, stretch, do some strides and stay in the shade, find a shady spot to warm up and all that stuff. Don't yeah. be out in the full sun yeah. and get into that corral right before the race starts. Um, if it's a cold race, you need more warm up. If you go out in December for a cold 5k, yeah. you might need a full two miles easy warm up to get everything loosened up and get your core temperature up just a little bit. Yeah. So let's take a look at one more question. And so the question is, my long run was hard this week. How will I get the next one done? And how will I get through the distance on race day? Oh, I get that question all the time. Yeah, especially in the middle of marathon season. Mm -hmm. I get this weekly. I, I guess the first thing runners need to understand, and we take it for granted because we've been doing it so long, that not every long run during a marathon build is going to be good. No. A, a lot of them are going to stink. <laughs> Especially when you're training for a fall marathon and your long runs start in the summer when it's really hot. You kind of go into survival mode. But yeah. I guess the, the general answer there is that we're, we're training for these long endurance events and we want you to learn to run on fatigued and tired legs and a fatigued body and mind Mm -hmm. as we get to those last few long runs so you think about it we're building you up to a 16 mile long run or an 18 or a 20 and then you're going to come back the next week and do it again your body's not recovered now we don't want you hurt if something if you got a body part yelling at you that's a whole other topic we're talking about just the general oh my legs felt heavy legs felt dead my quads were sore my feet were tired my answer is, oh, good. Yeah, that's the, what we want. We're layer, think about we're layering on fatigue just below the level of getting you injured or sick, yeah. layering that on over. So a runner says, oh, my run was terrible this week. Okay, well, why? Well, I, you know, did you hydrate? Yes. Did you fuel? Yes. Did you finish the run? Yes. Okay. Great job. You're good. You're, yeah, you're, you're there. It. You did it. So I think that's the, that's the mentality. You have, to, you have to embrace that, okay, this is hard. Mm-hmm. We do this because it's hard and difficult, and you've got to learn to push through those runs with a tired body and a tired mind. Because running is not just physical. It is mental. Right. You've got to learn how to embrace the pain, go into, <laughs> go into that pain cave and say, I can do this. My legs are here. My coach has put me in this position, and... I can do this long run. Yeah, we want you uncomfortable yeah. on your long runs. And so th- the next time that happens, what I want you to do is simulate race day. Your long run's getting hard. 
okay, the race is going to be hard. So what are you going to do on race day? Are you going to mope and whine and let your form fall apart? Are you going to focus and stand up straight and keep your cadence high and focus on just getting to the next mile? It's just practice. It's Mm -hmm. practice, practice, practice. You've done it over and over again. Um, And so one of the questions, well, the last part of that question is, how will I get through the distance on race day? So I get that question, but I know I do I get that question, but I also get because when you do your long runs, you're not doing it at race pace. So maybe your goal is to break two hours, and I say you can do this based on performance and 5K times. Yes, this is doable, but I want you to run your long run at like a 10:15 pace. So the question I often get is, how is that going to translate? How am I going to go from a 10:15 10 mile run to, I think it's like a 9:04 9:05 pace to break two hours? So what do you tell your athletes? Yeah, that's, that's, that's not uncommon. How, how do I make that jump? And until you do it a few times, it doesn't seem to make sense. It all works together. Yep. The, the long, easy aerobic endurance runs build the aerobic endurance. They build the engine to cover the distance. Yep. The tempo runs and the speed work build the speed mm-hmm. and the str- strength, the speed over distance mm-hmm. to, to bridge the gap. And on race day, hopefully you're tapered and rested and it all comes together. It all comes together. Yeah, it's race day magic. Now, if you're a rookie, ha- you're running your first half marathon mm-hmm. let, and you're not doing speed work and tempo runs, then let's just experience the race yes. and learn what it feels like and how to get through a half marathon. A hard time goal for a rookie, especially a rookie marathoner, mm-hmm. many times a recipe for a disappointing, yeah. you're setting the wrong expectation. Yeah. So you don't know what to expect. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so if you've got a hard time, you're an experienced runner, you're trying to PR, and that can be whether you're trying to break three hours or four hours or, or five hours, you have to do the, you have to race 5Ks and 10Ks and to work on your speed and your pacing management and those type of things. And then you have to get successfully through the long run build and it all comes together on race. You have to trust the process. Yes, you do trust it. It's going to be there. Uh, one part of that question that we get a lot is, uh, boy, I, I only had 18 this weekend. It was so hard. How in the world am I going to do 26 <laughs> in two months? Yep. And I get that. Mm-hmm. But again, you have to trust the process. Yes. All I wanted you, all you had to do today was run 18. Mm-hmm. We're not worried about 20. That's that's yeah. eight weeks away. Why are you worried about that? We're going to get you there. Right. Focus on 18 this weekend. And yeah. then when we come back in a week or two and run 20, that's all you have to do. If you get through that, you're on track for the 26 miles in six eight, or eight yeah. weeks. Yeah. yeah. So you just have to trust the process and know that each run's not great. All you have to do is the run you have on your schedule today. Yes. Don't worry about that one yet. Yeah. And that, you know, that leads us into a whole other topic, but if you set a big goal, whether it's, I want to 5k PR this season, I want to run my first marathon, I want to run my first PR, or I'm trying to qualify for Boston. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's the goal we've set out there for six months from now. Great. That's out there. Now put it away. I've got that as your coach, or you, you get a plan off the internet and you've got your, okay, that's your goal. Now let's focus on this week. What do I need to be doing this week to be ready for next week yeah. and complete this month so I'm ready for next month and then so on and so on. Too many times we get focused on that goal that's six months away mm-hmm. and we panic or we try to, oh, well, I'm at, I've am i got 
20 weeks, but I'm going to jump up to week 16, yeah. jump start this training plan. And yeah. we just get into trouble. Yes. So one run at a time. One run at a time. I feel like sometimes as a coach, we are, we're not just training their bodies, but we're also a little bit of a therapist. We got to calm people down, tell them to trust the process. Don't worry about the future. Let's just do this. One foot in front of the other right now. Yeah. And sometimes it's that blind faith of trust me, trust yes, this plan. I got you. Yeah. And once they do it, and it works. And it works. Oh, yes. The empowerment, the the confidence. When they the, call you or they come to you and say, I did it. Look, at, yes. Yeah. I'll say, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's what I told you a couple months ago. You just had to trust me. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that wraps up this episode, episode three of uh, Coach Q&A. Um, and so these are going to be regular episodes. We are going to do these maybe every two or three episodes. So if you want to, we are on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. So reach out to us on any of those social media platforms and you can leave a question. And we're going to keep a list of them and you never know. Your question might be featured on an episode of Can't Stop Endurance. Also, please go to iTunes and hit the subscribe button. Leave us a review. And you can also email us with any questions or comments that you have at coach at canstopendurance.com. So that's where you can find us. All right. So as Coach Kevin says, run smart. Train hard and race fast. Thanks for joining us. See you next time.